So, another episode of Real Voices from Happy Valley. Uh, mm-hmm. Our sort of podcast series about, well, Real Voices <laughs> from Happy Valley. This one features Roger O'Doherty and uh, his interest in photography and taking pictures of birds and wildlife that developed during the lockdown. You found it interesting, didn't you? I did, yeah, because this was you at Roger's house in Mythamroyd. We've both known Roger for over 30 years, Mm. I think. And, um, you know, he used to live in Oldham, where we did, and now we all live over here. Um, And he makes these fantastic calendars with pictures of birds in his garden. And it's they're just lovely. And as you listen to it, you'll understand how the picture, the calendars, and the photography have improved yeah. over, over the period we're talking about. Yes, I remember showing my mum one of the calendars because we got one for ourselves, and she just loved it and wanted one for herself and her brother and her cousin. So you know, there was instantly another three sales there, and um, yeah, and you'll hear. Roger talking about them. And your sister Claire in yeah. Saskatchewan, Canada. Yes. Loved one that you got sent over yeah, there for, for Christmas. She Just was gone. saying about the birds in their garden and how they loved looking at them and seeing what different ones there were. So we got Roger to send her one of his calendars, which she was thrilled with. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the calendars have helped raise money for community projects such as food banks and what have you. Yeah. In the happy valley that we're talking about. So, Roger O'Doherty. Yes, that's me. Sitting in your uh, kitchen. Nice yeah. kitchen it is too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, we've come to have a chat with you about um, bird photography and calendars you've done for the last, is it three years? Or yes, more? I've done three of these calendars now. It started during lockdown, actually. I mean... Um, uh, the first thing I did, as soon as Boris, you've heard of Boris, he, he announced the lockdown. I'm trying to forget him now, he's gone. <laughs> he announced the lockdown, I think it was about the 23rd of March in 2020. And uh, the first thing I did was I ran out and I bought a load of timber to build a hen house and decided I was going to get some chickens and, uh, you know, Bit of a you know what a prepping would they call that these days? Yes, yes. yes. Um, I, know, I know an awful lot of people did that or similar okay. similar well, responses. It's it very difficult to find chickens. There was a big run on chickens. <laughs> a chicken run. <laughs> but um, but also uh, I put it as I was making this hen house. I was putting up pictures on Facebook of the progress of the hen house, and I started to get awful comments from people like. When you finish that yet? You know. Anyway, yeah, people who've never made a hen house. Never made a hen house. <laughs> but um, I had been taking photographs of birds in the garden. But the, the, the fact that I was kind of locked down, that I was sat at this table, and I, you can see I have a camera here on a tripod, mm-hmm. and I actually had two cameras up. Uh, so, so we can see. I mean, out of your kitchen here, we can see a few sort of ledges, bushes on the right, trees. To the left and, and it, back of us. So I can. I mean, I've got a garden that's of. We can sit in the kitchen and look at the bird life as well. well so I know how, you know how you feel. Well, it, it's quite. It's quite ideal actually yeah. because it's sheltered from the wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got plenty of places for birds to sort of hide. So if a sparrowhawk or a cat mm-hmm. or anything appears, they they've got easy escape routes. 
uh, and I get bird feeders up, so the, the birds come to the feeders. But you'll see as well, I've got strategically placed logs and branches, and I've had branches hanging from the clothesline and stuff like this. So there's a, there's a strategy in mm-hmm. the sense that, it, you know, you start off bird on a feeder and you're very, very pleased mm-hmm. with yourself because you've got a nice little robin on a feeder, but it's just a picture of a robin on a feeder. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I was thinking, I need at least the pictures to look like a bird in its natural environment or doing something that birds do rather than just eat out of feeders. Mm-hmm. So so I was trying... So there's been an evolution in my bird photography over the period, and I think that's reflected in the calendars. Uh, but as I say, back to lockdown, uh, I was sat here, I had my cameras on tripods, I'd be reading a book, but essentially... Believe it or not, some of us observed the rules, you know, some of us didn't go out and wander around or have parties and things like this. So I could be sat here eight, ten hours in a day doing different things, but always with an eye out the window to the birds. Uh, And it surprised me how much was happening in my back garden. Uh, And it was interesting how much of it I could capture. So had you had an interest in birds or bird photography before that? Well, I had an interest in photography. Mm -hmm. You know, just, I like cameras, almost from more from a techie point of view than an artistic point of view, you know. My first camera, Dave, Mm -hmm. was around the time we first met back in old and back in... What, 30-odd years ago? Yeah, 80s. 80s, in the 1980s. And yeah. I bought on Oldham Market, on the Wednesday Market, I bought a, an old Zenith camera, you know, the old Zenith SLRs, manual cameras, and I learned my photography on, a, on an old manual camera that mm-hmm. cost me next to nothing, you know. But um, every job I've done since had an element of photography in it, you know, community organisations, you go and you take pictures of the gala and pictures of this meeting and that meeting and there's a guest speaker with that. So my photography was kind of uh, general rather than focused, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, And I had taken pictures of birds before, nice little pictures of robins on bird feeders. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this, this became much more... Um, uh, much more technical and because again there's a boredom factor you know there's a boredom when you see that well I've already taken that photograph you know actually I've taken it 10 times what what what's the next stage yeah and even so, if they're 10 different birds it's the same photograph yes but mm-hmm. over a period I wasn't just learning how to take more interesting pictures of birds mm-hmm. and more pictures that illustrated what birds do I was building up a variety of pictures uh, but um, but I was also seeing over time the changes in what's coming to my garden. I would see a nuthatch in the autumn, but I would never see it in the spring. I would see siskins one year and the next year it seems to be all chaffinches, you know, and you start thinking about what's what's actually happening in your garden and what you can do to sort of encourage a greater diversity of, of life in your garden. And does it give you a slightly different or better understanding of the seasons and how seasons change the life that's around you? It's the seasons and the life, but it's also once you realise why you're seeing a nuthatch in the autumn and not seeing it in the spring, uh, 
Because what the nuthatch is doing in the autumn is gathering food for the winter mm-hmm. and storing it away and building little stashes, just like jays do, stashes of food for the winter that's going to carry well, it through. lots of different types of animals do well, that, well, of yes, course, but, naturally. But, but if you've got a brain the size of a lentil and you're trying mm. to remember yeah. where you stashed all you know, We are talking about the nuthatch now. <laughs> we're, talking about the, we're talking about the nuthatch now, yes. You know, and, and this appreciation of what can be done with a brain the size of a lentil mm. really certainly, certainly triggers my thinking and appreciation of, of the life around me. So, so you become more interested in the birds themselves and not just pretty things on a perch. Mm-hmm. You start to appreciate the... The diversity of their skills and their learning and the complexity of their instincts. And also what you learn about birds quite quickly is that they don't do empathy. You know, they they they, they, they have all the characteristics that we would value most in a human being in that they are industrious, they're loyal to family, uh, they sing beautifully, they display wonderful colours and so on. And within that framework, what we would think of as the illustration of a moral intelligent human we have a totally <laughs> focused cynical unempathetic bird that will is only focused on its survival and the survival of its future generations. Oh, we've noticed we don't do anything remotely as much as you I mean we just have bird feeders in the garden mm. um, so on a nail high up on the, the gatepost and so we can look out any day and see a, a line of um, jays or crows. Mm. Yeah, biggest one at the front, smallest <laughs> one at the back. Yeah. Uh, below them, there will be starlings that are getting the crumbs that drop well, down onto right. the floor. Yes, yeah. And then nearby are the smaller birds waiting for something bigger to move out of the way. Yes, exactly. You know, and you know, if, you know, if one's at the bird feeder of any subspecies and something... You know, slightly greedier or nastier or bigger comes along. It's like you get off. I'm having that now. <laughs> well, exactly, and some of the the levels of aggression are quite terrifying. I mean, the the front cover. I don't know if you've seen the front cover of the latest calendar, but the, mm. it's a green finch. You know, a green finch, which is you know to sit in your hand. You know, yeah. but the, the, it's caught in a posture that looks like a <laughs> what you know a pterodactyl. <laughs> That's going to eat anything that gets in its way. And that, 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 no, I'm sure there's no emotion in that for the bird, I don't think. But I think it's pure instinct, you know, get out of my bloody way. It's my turn to eat, yeah. Which is Mm. fascinating. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you mentioned diversity from what you've seen in your garden, and presumably you take notice of as you're going up and down Mm. the valley. Can you say something about the diversity of bird life in the valley? What kind of things do we see? What sort of things do people see, even if they don't know what it is they're seeing? Right, okay. Uh, the, the, the first thing to say is that the diversity in this country is, is very poor, mm-hmm. you know. Not because there is quite a wide range of species, but, but often in very, very small numbers and very isolated and small colonies. So, so our, our bird life is really in danger. I think in a few years' time, people will be coming home and saying, oh, I saw a jackdaw today. Oh. <laughs> because we're losing our bird life very, very rapidly. 
but um, I haven't counted, but I'm sure I, I'm sure there's 50 species of birds that I've recorded in this garden over the, the past three, four years, you know. And as I say, that does change. Uh, some I was worried. I, well, I've shown you. I've shown mm. you the oil box, haven't I? I've shown you the oil box. I, I, one of the, I mentioned the making the chicken hounds, chicken mm-hmm. run, the chicken house. But I, I started making oil boxes as well. Uh, and I stuck one up with the help of a neighbour. I got one up in a tree outside there and it's nice and quite high. And it felt like a whole sort of fruitless enterprise because have we seen any oils yet? Mm. And uh, for the past couple of years, no, no evidence of oils near my box. But I went out in the garden there about four weeks ago and I looked up at the oil box and oh, and there's a there's a little oil <laughs> not a little oil as in a little oil but a little tawny oil a young fledgling mm. just sat on, on the platform in front of the box and I was I was gobsmacked I was amazed you know and absolutely thrilled to bits uh, so now we have a family of owls floating around and I was very concerned and Jane, my wife, was very, very concerned that we were going to lose all our little birds because big birds eat little birds. That's, that's, what, that's what they're hiding from <laughs> you were just talking before. But, um, but we are, we're, and, and there did seem to be a dip in what we were seeing in the garden, but that seems to be recovering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the past few years, we've... I don't know. I grew up with sparrows. I'm sure everybody our age just yes. remembers the world being full of sparrows. Yes, well, I mean, I'm from sort of council estate overspill in Liverpool, yeah. where mm. it was just mm. council estates as far as you could walk, pretty mm. much, mm. until you got out into the countryside, which is now notably Safari Park. Slightly <laughs> <laughs> different animals mm. there now than when mm. I was a kid. But yes, I understand we didn't really see anything besides. Sparrows. But, but, but in yeah. the past couple of decades, sparrows mm. have disappeared, mm. you know, uh, but they are making a comeback, which is really nice. So we have sparrows in the garden now, whereas for we've been here 11 years. For the first seven or eight years here, we would not have seen a sparrow in the garden. Right. So they come back. Uh, one of my favourite birds is the siskin, a lovely little yellow bird, you know, little finch. Uh, and again, our, I have a photograph that I took about mm-hmm. five years ago. I think we had four siskins on the feeder together, you know. But I've hardly seen a siskin since. You know, there, there, there is a change over, over the period. But this, we are very, very fortunate in this valley in that there, there's no large-scale farming in this area. There's no major spraying of insecticides in this area. You know, uh, there are lots of trees and the, the numbers of trees is increasing. You know, we have strong laws around the preservation of trees in this area. And we have so, groups like Tree Responsibility. And we have groups like Tree Responsibility doing wonderful mm-hmm. work. Uh, so so there, there, is, there, is, there is a good environment for birds in this, in this valley. But, but again, like the club mill just down the road there, there, there's been swifts nesting in there for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I've seen no swifts this year, you know. So we're, an island of birds like this valley can be, you know, isn't enough to sustain bird life into the future. You know, we, we actually need, we, you know, we can, we shouldn't even be complacent about what we've got here. We've, we've got to, we've got to value it and we've got to spread this type of environment to encourage. Uh, it is really survive. important because, I mean, when you and I were, kids and young men mm. there was a, a thing called uh, 
the Ecology Party, which became the oh, Green Party. Oh, yes. And the common view of most people, including me and possibly mm. yourself, was like, what's a bunch of hippies who <laughs> 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 are not relevant to anything? And But now everything that they were saying then is, is a lot more central to, you know, our sort of discussions, I mean, not necessarily our decision-making, yeah. unfortunately, mm. but mm. a lot of yeah. people more aware mm. of it, but mm. not necessarily more aware what mm. can be done about it. Well, quite, mm. yeah. Um, but probably yeah. the, cult, the biggest cultural hero we've had over the last five or ten years, David Attenborough, for mm. example, mm. yeah, who most people I know refer to as Uncle David. <laughs> <laughs> not you, then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so you say you've done three... I've done three cal- calendars. calendars. So, um, have they sold well? Well, let me tell you how we got to it. Oh, God! <laughs> they, um, people who take photographs often make calendars, you know, or they make them for the family or they make mm-hmm. them for friends and so on. And I've talked about doing a calendar, uh, you know, for years, actually, but never get around to do it. But I had this first year of lockdown, I had a good selection of photographs of birds mm-hmm. and Jane said are you going to do this bloody calendar or aren't you and uh, I went to Print Bureau and Hebden Bridge who are amazing people uh, and I went in about two weeks before Christmas and said how long would it take to turn around this calendar and they said well if you got the artwork to us in three days sort of thing we might be able to uh, anyway they did a calendar for me uh, and uh, I got home with it and uh, Jane said, how many have you ordered? And I said, I've ordered 50. And she thought, what the blazes are we going to do with the calendars? (laughs) 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 And uh, and I put something up. Did you have an answer for that question? (laughs) Well, we we sold 210 is what we sold because I had kept going back to Print Bureau Mm. for a few more, which is a very expensive way of ordering calendars. Mm -hmm, You you know, so... um, so, so they and so a friend had suggested, look, you, you should sell these for charity, and and I did. I sold. I made probably made a bit a bit a thousand pounds in that first year, uh, and most of that went to Todd Food Bank and to some more to other charities. In fact, we we covered the cost of the printing that year ourselves. Mm-hmm. So everything that came in for those calendars went went to food banks. Well done. Uh, the following year, right, there was an expectation you're going to do another one. So a bit more preparation into it this I mean, time. You sold over 200 in the first year. I sold 210 in the first year. Uh, sold uh, about 400 in the second year. And I sold over 450 in the third year. Uh, and uh, the, as I say, Todd Food Bank got the bulk of the money the first year. Uh, Cornholm Food Bank, which was setting up at the time, got a thousand pounds from us in the second year, and an organisation called Sorby Bridge together got another thousand pounds, and then bits and pieces of money went to different places. So and then go on. this year, most of the money, uh, I, what we give three thousand five hundred pounds to Calder Food Support, uh, and little bits of money to to other things as well. So and there's still there's still because it's surprising what the we're into June now but we've each year we manage to sell calendars up to about the end of February you know you think it's all dead by mm-hmm. past Christmas but we managed to we, we get a few orders and I mean we've calendars now 
Some of them gone. We've some went to Singapore. We, few went to Mozambique. In fact, we had repeat orders from Mozambique this year. <laughs> Different states of America, uh, uh, and of course, needless to say, quite a few peppered around Ireland. You know, mm-hmm. well, and and. Um Viv's sister in Saskatoon in the middle of the oh, wow, Canadian yes, prairies. Oh, I've forgotten about that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. oh, isn't it yeah. lovely when hers arrived? And, and I know, I know a lot of people buy because it's a charitable project, you know, but I do take pride in making it as professional a project as mm. possible. And, and I look at the three and I can see how they, they've developed. You know, the latest one is is much better. T- There's no typos in it, first of all. <laughs> 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 That's always an improvement. I am not just to produce a picture of a bird and then a calendar underneath. I, 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 it's almost like the calendars are about the birds and the, the calendar bit is actually squeezed into a corner. And the biggest complaint I get is that my calendar space isn't big enough to write all my appointments in, you know. So... so uh, which is an important part of why people I, have calendars. Which is important. <laughs> exactly. But but I'm going to give another plug to Print Bureau because they, they've been so helpful. I mean, the number of times I had to go back to them last mm. year because the artwork wasn't quite right and stuff. So I had quite a learning curve just mm-hmm. taking advice from Print Bureau. But when I went to them first, I was explaining that I wanted a quality piece of work and I asked them to, you know, what they could do. And they showed me... He says, well, well, you must have a look at Kate Lysett's mm. calendar, you know, because she prints there, you know. Uh, and I looked at Kate Lysett's calendar and I says, well, that's what I want. If it's good enough for Kate Lysett, it's good enough for me. <laughs> that's the quality of paper. That's the quality of printing out. Uh, and that, that's what I've aimed for and stuck with. So, yeah. Kate, if you're out there, I even bought one of my someone here. You've picture. just reminded me from uh, when we were putting ideas together for this sort of podcast series, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I told you, is going yeah. to be called Real Voices of Happy Valley. All right. Okay. Um, you know, we sort of thought, well, we'll alternate to boy, girl, boy, girl, and sort of, <laughs> your Kate's name is in there, although we oh, haven't, good, haven't good. spoken to you yet, Kate, but we're coming <laughs> for you. <laughs> well, maybe you should buy one of my calendars yeah. now. I, I mean, it's great that it's, you know, it, it's supporting the community, which is... What yeah. you're all about, in well, a way, it's, with other so, things always, you do. It's what I've always done. I mean, I, in the sense that I've always been a community activist. Mm-hmm. And in employment settings, I've always worked with community organisations and stuff. So, so I do have a strong motivation to, 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 to contribute to the society I live in, if you like, and to, to try and change it for the better. Which, yeah. I mean, we've only done a couple of these podcasts, but that is a major theme already. Um, mm. I, I spoke to a lot of people involved in the Folk Roots Festival mm. um, yeah. recently, and every one of them, whether they were there as a volunteer or whether they were sort of working behind the bar at the trades club or yeah. uh, people who do the bookings, mm-hmm. etc., the you know, being part of and putting something back into mm-hmm. the community is it, it's it's a common part of the culture of, of this valley. Well, I think it is, but but that's not to say I don't enjoy it. It's mm. not a penance. It's oh, not no. sort of you know I'm not sort of sackcloth and ashes stuff. Oh. I'm sort of. Nice camera that I love yeah. having and doing good stuff with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. I used yeah. to do sort of quizzes, raising funds for various sort of good-ish causes. Mm. 
uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, course, yeah. I'll probably yeah. do it again. Let's hope so. As much because I thoroughly enjoyed it, just, you know, to help raise money for for, for people. Yeah. Because uh, you, um, I mean, you're active politically. You're you active in your trade union. I'm a member of the Unite Community. Mm-hmm. I'm political officer of the local branch, Halifax and Calder Valley mm-hmm. branch of Unite Community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in Unite. Well, I was in Unite when I was in employment. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, I stuck with Unite Community since, and uh, yeah, it's a small branch. It's an important branch, but but it works closely with uh, Enough Is Enough, for instance, and mm-hmm. with the Trades Council to sort of, you know, organise pickets and so on to support uh, striking workers. Recently, so, mm-hmm. so it's a, that's a that's a big thing. And again, supports uh, for things like the food banks, etc. Yeah, well, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Okay, that's that's great. Well, thanks a lot, Roger. Well, thank you, Dave, for coming round. Yeah. Uh, I think it's your first time yeah. in our house. So it is indeed. It is indeed. Yeah. And a very nice cup of coffee you made for me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers.